Jamie turned the shower on and he broke the bloody the tap and the shower kept <laughs> kept running. <laughs> so I had to I had to run all the way down the stairs and turn the, the mains water off. <laughs> oh no! Good uh, God, I'm going to have to phone a plumber. I don't even know if I can get a plumber to come out. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, really? In a hazmat suit. Oh my God! I couldn't believe <laughs> it. So the water isn't running now, though, at least. No, I've had to turn the water off, but um, once I've done the Skype call, I'll get Sandra to phone a, a plumber friend, see if he'll come down and try and oh, isolate man. that one shower. <laughs> oh, oh <geez>. God. <laughs> uh. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Great Divide podcast. The time of the coronavirus is upon us. This is the first show we've done where we've actually been talking about this, but we've got a break from all that nonsense with someone that you will enjoy listening to as we talk about some of their, the, re, the recent big country shows in uh, on the East Coast of America, and that is the great Bruce Watson joining us right now. Hello, Bruce. Hello. Good, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> yeah, great to have you. And of course, as always, we've got Svan Jorthog here. Greetings. How are we? Good. And not as always, but as, as we sometimes do, um, the great JFNG is here as well, operating hey. from a hard-hit area of this coronavirus stuff. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, welcome to isolation time. <laughs> Yeah. So, so how are you guys? How are you guys all handling this? I'll start with you, Bruce. I mean, uh, what are you what are you doing right now with with all of this? Are you are you quarantined? Are you isolated? Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> it's just Sandra and myself at home uh, with the pussycats. Um, and my day kind of consists of getting up quite early in the morning um, going to the local supermarket and, and just getting the supplies in for, for the day. So I kind of get my exercise that way by walking. Um, huh. doing the social distancing thing in the in the supermarket and then back home and I've never done as much DIY in my life um, <laughs> all those all those little odd jobs that were needing done about the house you know re- fixing bits of skirting back onto the floor and wall and a little bit of painting um, I even became a lumberjack for a day and I, you know I re- you know I chopped down a tree in the back garden it was rotten you know so <laughs> Um, I've been really busy doing a lot of physical stuff at home, um, but I think it's time to start getting a bit creative again and, you know, start a little bit of recording. So I rebuilt my studio as well up in the attic, so that's ready to go. So hopefully we'll get we'll get uh, demos for another good album out of this, I think, you know. That's fantastic. Uh, I'm definitely up for that. Yeah. And, and so, and you and you were telling us before uh, we even started recording this that uh, that your, your son Jamie... Um, has just given you some more DIY work to do, possibly by destroying yeah. your shower. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Jamie came up. Uh, he stayed last night at a distance because um, he had to bring his his pussy cats up because uh, obviously we're having the baby down down there. You know, they kind of worried in case the, one of the cats goes for the baby. So he brought them up last night. Um, he stayed in a different room, of course, but <laughs> he went in to use the shower and. The, the shower handle broke off, so the water is just spurting everywhere. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, I had to run down the stairs and turn the water off just at the same time as you guys were calling me. So um, I'm going to have my hands full again today. But you know, <laughs> such is life. <laughs> oh man, I know, I know. Yeah. So so we might not have Bruce for the the 
the typical five hour podcast no. that we like to do. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So how about you, Svine? How are you doing with all this? Are you uh, are you doing the same things? You, you're kind of a homebody anyway, like me. So uh, it's it's probably not a huge culture shock. No, it's not. I mean, I've been working from home for a, a year now already. So there's no change for me at all. I mean, I, I, I wake up, I go downstairs, I scratch my butt and I sit down and I start working. So that's, uh, this is, <laughs> this is very easy for me. You know, the, the biggest change is my son is having school from home. So he's using a computer, a laptop to communicate with his teacher and with his classmates. And that's quite a change for him. So if there's yeah. any change, it will be helping him to get, you know, moving along with that, but he's good at doing that for himself. So the biggest sacrifice, the woman of the household, two boys now all the time. <laughs> now it's uh, it, it's doing fine. I've been in isolation and we're, we're kind of keeping to ourselves. I take my walks to keep sane. And, uh, and I have a lot of calls, a lot of calls. You're not the only one anymore. Oh. Yeah, well, <laughs> got it. Well, that, that makes sense. And, and John, I, I know uh, John just retired not too long ago. So they're, they're just, about to pull him in back in. Yeah, they're about to pull you back in, aren't they? Yeah, just when I thought I was out, ah. they pulled me back in. <laughs> nice. uh, it, it, ha- it hasn't it hasn't come to that uh, without going into a whole lot of whole of, lot of detail. Uh, the, the department that I retired from, I just actually spoke to somebody today about it. They haven't had any reported uh, people contracting the virus at the department. Thank you know, thankfully that that is the case. Uh, so the likelihood of me being pulled back in is, right now is a little remote. Who knows uh, whether that happens uh, down the road? And um, I, I, have my, I have my brother who works in a department nearby who was doing something out of retirement. He's been brought back into the uh, into the fold. So uh, he's he's kind of really in in the middle of things. And I uh, just you know wish him well. He's he's doing the right thing. He's keeping himself isolated from the rest of the family, and um, and we're just uh, doing the best we can, being so close to the uh, the uh, center of uh, of all of it uh, here on the East Coast. Nice, nice. Well, good luck to everyone out there dealing yeah. with this. Shot! I know it's a that's a weird time. It's a tough time. But, you know, we wanted to talk about um, some of these shows that that big country got in just in the nick of time in New York before all of this hit the fan. I, I was lucky enough to attend one of them at the Sony Music Hall. And then there was another one at Daryl's music, uh, Daryl's house before right before that. So, Bruce, what what was it like? Uh, what were those shows like in New York uh, before we get to the, the cruise ship thing? How did you feel being back there? And I know it had been a while. And, and yeah. uh, what was your feeling on it? Oh, I mean, personally, I absolutely loved it, and all the guys loved it as well. Um, I do like coming out to America, and I've always said this, we don't get out there as much as what I would like to to, to get out, you know. Um, Daryl's place was amazing. That was just, a, you know, Daryl Hall, um, and it was just a, a, a beautiful uh, setting, you know, the whole area, and the venue itself was great. It's, you know, it's, sometimes it can be a bit weird playing in, Little uh, seated venues with, with with chairs and tables and stuff, but we've done we've done a few of them now, and I quite like them. Uh, that that was great, and and then we went uh, uh, down to um, the, the the next gig was next door to Bonds. Remember that, Tom? Oh the, yeah. The, the the scene of the famous um, Clash residency. So our gig was right next door to Bonds, so we were quite thrilled about that. And I remember walking into the sound check, uh, and a bunch of guys on stage older guys, even older than us, 
and the guy started playing all these television licks. I mean, <laughs> some of you guys might know television are one of my favourite bands. And uh, the guy started playing Marky Moon, and I'm going, that sounds really authentic, you know. Uh, and then I realised it was Richard Lloyd. It was the, the actual original guitar player from television <laughs> was supporting us. And yeah. it was an absolute blast. I mean, just watching the guy playing, you know, it was, you know, I, I just didn't realise, I didn't even know who the support band were, you know. Um, and they were just called the Richard Lloyd Band, I think. And they were oh, amazing. I was just blown away by it. So that that was great for me, and then obviously we went out with, with yourself, Tom. Um, went out up towards uh, up towards Central Park and found a, a little diner up there and had a, a bite to eat and stuff, you know. So yeah. I, I just I just love being up up that uh, you know up that midtown area. It's great. I love it. It was it was a lot of fun, and 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 even though I remember when we pulled in and John was driving, and uh, I remember all of us thinking, well, this is kind of weird because the streets aren't nearly as packed as we would think that they would be. Um, I I remember feeling that because this, this was sort of right when people were starting to talk about the coronavirus, but it wasn't a pandemic at this point. Yeah. And so we were just a little one concerned about it, but I remember thinking that, you know, the streets are, aren't quite as crowded as usual. And now of course they're probably desolate, but, but yeah, that, that was a great show. I mean, from my perspective, that that's the first time that I, that I saw you guys as far as, uh, this lineup. And, um, it was it was great. I mean, uh, Simon was awesome. Scott was awesome. Mark still got it. You yeah. you and Jamie are still playing great, and the set list was incredible. So lo- lots of uh, stuff from Steel Town that I had personally never heard done live before. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, that that was fantastic, and it, w- it was a good turnout too. It was a, I I can't speak for the Daryl sh- House show because I wasn't there, but I heard the same thing about that one. Yeah, um, Daryl's House was a bit more. It's a smaller venue, <clears throat> and more more intimate and. You know, but but it was still great. But uh, regarding the set list, we 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 had to think quite hard about what songs to do and what songs to leave out. Um, and we, we kind of thought, well, let's put in a few more Steel Town songs because yeah. we've never played uh, a lot of Steel Town stuff out in the states. So we, I think we put in just maybe over half the Steel Town album in there, as well as the Crossing stuff and other hits and stuff like that. So we we, we did think long and hard about it, you know. Oh, that's great. I mean, I, I appreciated that for one, never having heard those songs. And in fact, for me, the, the highlight of the show was the song uh, Steel Town. Uh, I just thought that sounded amazing. And Simon's vocals were, were fantastic on that one. So, yeah, Steel Town's a tough to sing because it's really, really up there. And it's just at the top of Simon's range. Um, and he, he does a great job, a fantastic job of doing it. But Steel Town, I think Steel Town and Look Away are the hardest songs to sing. Um, because they're right up in that high register, you know. You need a lot yeah. of stamina, stamina to get through them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Steel Town was my favourite in Liverpool too. So there you go. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah, great, great performance. I guess we'll keep that one in then. I think. <laughs> yeah, I'd keep that one around a little while. I think that's worth yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, and you know, of course, the highlight for me of that show, and I wanted to apologise because when I look back at the video, you, you, you guys uh, allowed me to come up on stage and play some of chance with you again which was incredibly fun especially to play the uh the distorted part of that song at the end i mean that was great to hit those big power chords but when i went back and looked at the video i i realized that um the song had more endings than uh that than the return of the king movie the the hobbit movie because i just never ended the song uh, so i just yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i apologize for that <laughs> but oh, it was great, great fun. I, well i knew when the, the big distorted power chord thing was coming up i knew that you didn't know what jamie's 
effects settings and distortion settings were <laughs> so I, and I didn't know either, so I just went across to because you were using Jamie's guitar and amp yeah. setup. I just went across and I, I just started stomping on all these buttons <laughs> <laughs> in the hope that one of them was going to be a distortion sound. And I, I think I got there eventually. Yeah, but you did. You, yeah, but you nearly never got on stage because it was quite spontaneous. I think Jamie had saw you in the audience and uh, beckoned you up on stage and you came round and then there was a girl at security at the side of the stage and I don't think she was going to let you on stage. <laughs> yeah, well, she, w- she was just sitting there reading a book and I walked yeah. right. Pa- I walked right past her the first time. I walked right by her, and I, I, because Jamie was asking me to come up, and I wasn't sure exactly what he wanted me to do. So, I, I literally came up on stage while you were playing the song, the previous. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, it was. And great. he said, "No, no." He's like, "No, come back for the next one. We're going to do chance." I said, like, "Oh, sorry. I'll be. I'll go back here." So then, when I went to the back, she said, "Who are you? What are you doing here?" And uh, yeah, I almost got thrown out, but yeah, but luckily not. So yeah, that that was great. So. Tell us a little bit about the the next show that followed that, uh, the cruise ship show, because I know that even then, you know, cruise ships were being talked about as as being uh, places you may not want to be <laughs> because of this whole virus thing. There yeah. were a number of different cruise ships. So what was that experience like for you? It was, I mean, I love doing the, the cruise ships. <clears throat> I think this is a third one we've done, maybe the fourth one, I can't remember, but I, I love doing them. They're just different. And um, we got down to Miami. And we did uh, a show in Miami with them, Berlin, um, on dry land. And all good. And the next day, we got on the cruise ship. And, of course, I mean, everyone was, it was on the news all the time, and everybody was talking about it. So, But the thing is, when you're on a cruise ship, you, you, this was before the social distancing thing came in. Um, you, you're, you're practically on top of people all the time. But mm. uh, I must admit, I never, I never saw anybody that looked ill or was coughing or spluttering or anything like that. Um, when we finished the, the cruise ship, that was when it sort of kicked in when we got to the airport. We had a, a 10-hour wait at the airport, uh, one check-in girl, <laughs> you yeah. know, checking in like thousands and thousands of people and it just took forever. Uh, but that, that that's when it started to, to kick in, you know, that what was happening out there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we got back home and it was just like, you know, it just sort of everything exploded. It was all over the news. Um, I mean, over here, the news was usually dominated by things like Brexit and stuff like that. Right. Um, and there's not been nothing at all about Brexit in the news the past three weeks. It's just uh, <laughs> it's just coronavirus all the time, you know. That's, and I, there's very little other news getting reported. I know. It's it's the same here. and. Just, just a real quick tangent on that. I mean, what's the situation in Scotland and in Dunfermline right now as far as that goes? Are there many reported cases or is it pretty contained at this point? Well, I mean, we're, we're all kind of in the same boat as it were, you know, across here. Um, everyone's just doing what the rest of the world's doing it. You know, it's like yeah. I say, I, I mean, I, I, I go out for my walk every morning and, the, you know, it's weird. It's like, you know, the streets are kind of deserted, all the shops are closed, uh, all the venues, pubs, uh, apart from supermarkets and shops that need to stay open, you know, then it's pretty much dead. Yeah. Uh, and it's weird because I haven't actually spoken with anybody. I haven't spoken with Gordon, really. Um, Richard, I think I spoke with Richard about two weeks ago, and I thought, I better start phoning people. So I phoned up Bill Simpson to the skids yesterday <laughs> Uh, just he was glad to hear from me because people are not really communicating with each other apart from online like what, what we're doing just now so um 
you know, I, I guess we're pretty much, uh, you know, in the same boat as everybody else. We're just tr- trying to keep ourselves to ourselves and keep busy. Um, yeah. Regarding any anybody that's kind of caught it, and I, d- I don't know if there's been any reports in Dunfermline about about people who've caught it, though. I, I must admit, when we, when we got back from Australia uh, months and months ago, um, everybody that in the party came home and we were all quite ill. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it was just jet lag, but I mean, that's the worst I've ever felt was when I came back from Australia. I was just so tired and lethargic and, wow. you know, I, I think I was in bed for a few days. I, I don't know, maybe maybe we caught it across there, and but I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Ah, that's it's, interesting. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well... I'm glad you guys are doing well. I'm glad you're uh, you're safe right now. Hopefully this will this will pass in uh yeah, yeah. Know, as soon as possible. I know your time is limited, so are you okay if we if we throw a few random questions at you from from some fans? Yeah, just throw them a throw away. Throw away. All right. All right, let's do it. Uh, again, I haven't I haven't pre-read some of these. I'm just reading you the question as I see it for the first time myself. So, okay. All right. So here we've got one from Niall Featherstone, uh, a bass player that we know. He says, mm-hmm. what, what is your all time favorite big country bass line? Oh, that's for me. <clears throat> that's so easy. Um, I would say Tony's wonderland baseline is uh, just immense. And it has absolutely nothing to do with what the guitars are doing. Uh, I mean, when Tony used to sound check with that sometimes, and it, it just amazed me, like, uh, the part that he came up with. It's just, it's completely nothing to do with the guitar or the song. He's just out there on his own, and it works, and it actually glues that song together. So that, Niall, is my favourite big country bass line. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, and you're right. And, and the 12-inch mix of that, I remember, really featured that very prominently, which was even even better. Yeah, and so, it's got that little that ending thing that we never really put in the the in the single version. It was just something that he did randomly. That oh yeah, that's right. You know, and it's not even in the single, but it's on the twelve inch. That's right. It's not, it's not even on the live version either. But it's just one of those things that that was a great thing about Tony. Came up with these amazing things and then just never use them again. He chucked it away. <laughs>
as always, when we ask for questions, we always get questions. Will there be more big country music? I assumed when you talked about demos that you're talking about WKW music. I'm just talking about uh, when I do demos, I just write for myself. Yeah, ideas. Um, yeah, just any idea. And that idea could either go to Richard to become a skid song. Yeah. Um, or it could go to Tom to become a WKW song. Um, at the moment, we're just we're the big country are not writing. We, we've kind of had a, an agreement that we're not going to be writing any any new stuff. And there's there, there are uh, reasons for that that aren't just creative reasons. There's things like uh, uh, Stuart's family to take into consideration as well. You know, uh, stuff like that. So the, the, the one thing I do love about working with, with Richard Jobson and the Skids is it's given me a, an outlet to write songs and also with, with Tom as well doing the WKW stuff, it's now given Jamie and I an outlet where we can get, we're collaborating with other people, which I, I love collaborating with other yeah. people, whether, it, whether it's Fish or, you know, Mike Mike Peters and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't like working alone. I'm not I'm not a great writer on my own. I like to bounce ideas. Um, so obviously there's not going to be any new big company material at the moment. Um but there will be, like I say, WKW and skids and acoustic uh, stuff for Richard as well. So, you know, my hands are pretty much full. I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, firing on all four cylinders and getting to work with all these people, which is great for me. Yeah, that's Wonderful. fantastic. Yeah, well, I look forward to any new demos that you put together. I'm gonna have a, I might have a couple to throw your way as well, so we'll see. Yeah, I've got that one that I chucked across the, the ocean to you, the, that instrumental thing. Yep, yep. We should maybe take a look at that. Definitely. We should, we should maybe maybe even do an instrumental kind of thing as well, you know, like a yeah, like a. I've always liked doing like you know when we did the instrumental version, uh, Men of Steel, and it's like you know music for some sort of imaginary movie, you know. Yeah, right, right, and a lot of people really like that those instrumental versions, especially uh, especially the one you put together, which was kind of a mix of everything, yeah, fading into each other. It's a great thing to listen to while driving. Especially. It's good to drive. Yes, yeah, it's, it's driving music and. Uh, Gordon, who does a, a lot of air driving across here, he he likes it as well, and he he had it on one day, you know, and he said that's really good to drive to, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, fantastic. And talking about drives, here's a tangent, and John will remember this well. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Do you remember after we did the gig at the Sony, the Sony Hall, and then the next day we were out in New Jersey, and I think we were in the the the, the, the TikTok bar, uh, yes. diner, and then Mark had said, ah. Oh, I've left my hat. He's got one of these peaky blinders oh, sort of hats. Sake of that. Oh my! I've left my hat at the gig. Can you drive me all the way to Midtown Manhattan from New Jersey? <laughs> oh, you're kidding! To pick up my hat. Oh man. Um, we were going. We were going down to um, uh, down to Manhattan anyway, and we went down there. It was pissing the rain. It was terrible. And then we we'll, let's drive up. We drove all the way from the World Trade Center right up to to Midtown and get Mark's hat. And he went in and he, he said there was a band in there and the, they were like a, a reggae band. can't remember the name it goes, but he, he went down at the dressing room and they were all stoned out their faces and they had like big joints on the go, like reefers the size of drain pipes, you know, and he was like, <laughs> he, he was like passively stoned when he went in the dressing room. Uh, anyway, he couldn't, the heart was not there anyway. And then we drove all the way back to New oh. Jersey and it, it was like rush hour kind of thing. It must have took us about 
like it was it must have been a four hour round trip to get this bloody hat and he got back in his hotel room and he found his hat down the side of the bed <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh uh, you guys must have been pissed off about that <laughs> I remember complimenting him on that hat th- that day. So yeah, I can see why he wanted it, wanted to get it. But man, yeah, that's <laughs> that's something. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we got we got another one here. Um, just a couple more for you. I'm gonna let you go, Bruce. We got one from Stuart Mangus, and okay. he said, "Yeah, you know him." He says, "Um, we hear lots of chatter about Stuart's guitars, but rarely any about Bruce's." Bruce, if you could recover one of your guitars from days gone by from days gone by that you may have lost, which one would it be and why? It would be two. Um, I've thought about this a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, if I actually got my, my red Yamaha SG500, I got that back. Um, nice. Uh, which was, and that, because that's the one I used on Fields of Fire in, in a big country in Chance. So I got that one back. There's, but there's two guitars I would love to get back. One is my green 1961 Stratocaster. Um which I bought from Norm's Vintage and Rare uh, out in the valley. Um, uh, that was an amazing guitar, great sound. It had the original pickups. It had been refinished, um, and the neck, some somebody must have been a heavy metal band before I got it, and the neck had been shaved right down, so I had the neck rebuilt um, by my local guy here. Um, that was an amazing guitar, and it was one that I sold when I needed the money. And the other guitar I had was a 1952 all gold uh, Les Paul, which again had been refinished before I got it, and I had wow. that guitar done up. Uh, and it was that was a great guitar. It had P90s on it. Um, somebody had put humbuckers on it, uh, and when I got it, I had it put back to its original condition. Uh, even yeah. had a tra- trapeze tailpiece with a tunematic bridge, and I had a a floral scratch plate, so it looked like a sort of Scotty Moore kind of ES two nine five guitar, wow! Uh, fantastic neck on it, um, sounded great, and it was the lightest Les Paul I've ever had. It, it was lighter than us. It, it, it felt like it was made out of balsa wood. It was so light, even though it was mahogany <laughs> and maple. Um, so those are the two guitars that I would like back in my collection. Um, but I, I, I don't want to have any more guitars. I, I was up in the attic rebuilding the studio, and I. I started getting all my guitars out, and I'm going, Jesus Christ, I hope, hope Sarah doesn't realise I've got this much <laughs> I, I guitars up there, you know. Uh, well, that, that actually leads to, to the next question, which is from uh, Tommy Paxson, and he, he's asking just that question. How many do you have right now? I think between Jamie and I, because we kind of swap guitars and give each other guitars, and can I borrow this, can I borrow that? I think that we've got about including acoustics, mandolins, various guitars. I think we've probably got about 40-odd guitars between the two of us. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nice. Uh, some of them are live guitars. Uh, I've got nine guitars that I take out with different bands. With Big Country, I've got three three guitars, which are basically Strat-based, Tele-based. Okay. And then we've got the Skids guitars, which are different tuning. They, they've tuned down a full tone from the big country guitars so oh, wow. we always take, take out three guitars for the skids we always, a guitar each and a spare basically and when we do the acoustic shows with Richard we've got three three acoustic guitars you know it's basically two two acoustics and one spare acoustic so so that there's nine guitars that are working guitars basically and then there's the guitars that I use in the studio um, which can range from like a Firebird to an Explorer I mean that, that they just give me an idea I'm, I, I might do some sort of 
video blog and send them to John to put online. Maybe just talk about, pick up a guitar and talk about, you know, here's, oh, my, Gibson, here's my Gibson Firebird. And when I was up in the attic, I've got these, I mean, it's a floored attic and it's got walls up there. And I, I, I lot of my guitar case, cases and empty boxes and stuff are hidden behind the walls. And I came across the, the original Tascam Porter Studio. Uh, so I'll maybe bring that uh. and, and talk about that, you know, because it's, it's from, it's, it's, it is the original early 80s Porter Studio. Unfortunately, the, 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 the tape deck part doesn't work. That's completely gone now. But the, the mixing desk section still works, so you can still use it to EQ stuff and... But the, the cassette bit's buggered. I mean, that's, you know, I think the, uh, the, the, the belts have all snapped inside it and stuff like that. But still, that that is a holy relic, Bruce. It is a holy relic. So I'll maybe, I'll maybe <laughs> dig that out. And, you know, now, now, now that uh, with this isolation thing and, you know. Uh, That'd be a great idea, actually, because I know people would love to, to see that and, and see you talking about some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've got to keep busy, you know either keep yourself physically busy or mentally busy as well. So I guess right. it's like a lot, a lot of people are like, I, I noticed that uh, Mike, Mike Pierce from Alarms, he, he's obviously at home and, and I know what Mike's like. He's really proactive and he's doing a lot of stuff online, you know, uh, because like the rest of us, we, we can't go out and do gigs. So um, I'll maybe start trying to do that kind of stuff. I've always shied away from that um, social media kind of thing, but I guess it's... Uh, Maybe have to try and you know do some stuff on online. I think, yeah, a little song here and there. And I'm going to. We're talking about doing a, a video for Smolder as well, one of the WKW tracks. So, yeah, um, Tom's going to obviously do his bit from his studio. I'll do my bit, and Jamie will do his bit from his studio. You know, so and then we'll send the the video footage across to Tom, who's going to kindly edit it all. So we'll make a new video for Smolder, which. Hopefully, maybe get out for the end of the week. Do you think Tom is that possible? That's possible. That's definitely possible. I'd, well, I'd say within within a couple at most. Yeah, because uh, I know how long. Because I've done ed- editing in the past, I know I like the edit- editing process is a long, <laughs> a long. I know. Process. I know. That's the that's the hardest part. Yeah, that's the hardest yeah. part. This one is from Alan Ambari, and he. Uh, is acknowledging up front that a lot of the parts that you play live, the guitar parts, are very complicated and even physically demanding. So he is wondering which of the songs you play fairly regularly are the hardest or most demanding songs and why? The, the guitar parts um, sound complicated. They're actually easier, um, a lot easier than you think. They, they sound complicated. Um, I think... The guitar part for me that's probably the most full-on with the most variety of different parts is maybe Fields of Fire. Um, there's a lot of different parts in that song. Uh, it's not just like intro, verse, chorus, midly, out kind of thing. You know, there's a lot of little parts in Fields of Fire. Uh, not complicated, but it's quite a fast um, rhythm to play. Um, and there's no kind of let-up. You're, you're kind of physically playing all, all the time. Uh, whereas, whereas something like Chance is a lot more laid back and really simple uh so yeah i would say fusey fire is probably the mm. it's, not, it's not a difficult song but it's the most full-on song i would have thought you'd play that in your sleep <laughs> yeah me too that was that was yeah but yeah but yeah could... it's just it's just because it's because it's quite a an up-tempo song uh so you, you're physically playing all the way through and I, i've got arthritis anyway um which is getting worse um so it's I've got to warm up now uh, 
probably for about half an hour before I go on stage because I can't. It's, it's one of the worst things about doing a festival. You, when you do festivals, you don't get a chance to warm up and you're only, only on for 25, 30 minutes sometimes. Yeah. But obviously I want to play, you know, well and I want to put on the, the best show possible. So we're having arthritis. I've got to really, really warm up, you know, especially my right hand, my, my rhythm hand. Uh, so that if you see me beforehand, it looks like I'm shaking my hand all the time. And that, that's what I'm doing. I'm just shaking my hand, and I'm on my left hand. Um, I'm moving my fingers all the time. Wow. So, so that explains why before the uh, New York show, you were you were punching Jamie in the stomach for a good 15 <laughs> solid minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the hardest rhythm part, the hard, hardest rhythm for me to play is Wonderland now. Oh me. yeah before wonderland it's basically it's, it's a funk funk um, song um and when i wrote that years ago when i was i was younger it was you know easy but nowadays uh, we're having this arthritis it's like wonderland is uh, can be a bit painful sometimes and well it's like i told you recently i mean i mean just from my own perspective as a fan seeing the the show in new york i, I couldn't tell any difference i mean everything sounded fantastic your playing was fantastic and uh if you're struggling with it, you at times you can't tell. At least from from a from an audience perspective, yeah, it was, I, I, it was I think great. A, adrenaline kicks in though. Adrenaline kicks in, and you you know that keeps you going. Yeah, without and, a doubt. And then you suffer later. <laughs> right, right. Oh man. Well, Bruce, we don't want to keep you any longer than you than you need to be here. Yeah, so yeah. I know I'm you got to go. So I'm going to have to go in there. Do a plumbing job now. I've got to get this <laughs> because we have no water at home now. So I'm going to have to work out a way of dismantling this shower head and plugging it up with something, and then turning the water back on. So, oh, man, I'm sure well, we, you guys have got domestic domestics to do as well. <laughs> oh yeah, well we're we're going to continue the show for the next three or four hours, so we'll be all right. <laughs> but if, if you know, so if you finish and if you finish your your duties in the next couple of hours and you want to jump back on, which I'm sure you will, <laughs> you know, just just give us a call. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for you. I'll keep an eye. But uh, thank you very much duty. again for um, doing this, and uh, um, I'll drop I'll drop you a line soon, uh, Tom, and then uh, work out what we're going to do next. <laughs> that, that sounds great. Now we really appreciate you coming on, and uh, we wish you all the best, and Jamie, and, and um, the new the, the new lovely baby, and everything yeah. going on. So. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, doc. Stay alive, guys. Thank you. You too, buddy. Take care. Wash your hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that this morning, actually. Right, okay, doc. <laughs> Speak soon, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye, guys. We want to thank Bruce for joining us. Um, that was a, That was a short visit by our standards but uh i could tell he needed to be somewhere <laughs> so <laughs> it was just good to talk to him and at, at this time know that he's doing okay and uh got a lot of projects he's working on apparently and um yeah as he said hopefully some new music will come out of it whether it's wkw stuff or just bruce stuff or whatever it is so we'll, we shall see but um yeah i i did want to talk a little bit more about the new york show that i saw because it was a lot of the things that that uh I experienced were things that wouldn't mean much to Bruce or any of those other guys, but uh, there were just some really fun little moments that we had, and uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, and that I had too, and John and and everything uh, was was really interesting that day. So yeah, so I can I can share my my travel log a little bit if you guys are okay with that. 
I will just lean back like you did when I told about Liverpool and <laughs> enjoy your tales. All right. Well, I, I, I'm going off the top of my head because I'm sure you prepped uh, for that show really well and probably had a, a great outline of everything you wanted to talk about in sequential order. Well, less than normal, but uh, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I did have a sort of rough outline. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was a great time. I mean, I, I wanted to try to make it to the Daryl's House show as well. In fact, that was the original plan, but um, I because of things with my work, uh, it was enough that they allowed me to there was a huge busy time with my work and i was concerned about even being able to go to one of the shows let alone two so i said yeah i i'll just go to the sony show it's that's fine and um i ended up going up there so i was sorry i missed the daryl's house show but um i i loved uh, the sony show too so that that was enough but you know this is the first time i ever saw this version of the band and uh first time i ever met um simon and first time i ever met scott just like you fine not long ago in liverpool mm. Um, so that was fun. And I, I, I met them, uh, we, we met at an IHOP, like right outside of their hotel in, in New Jersey. And, uh, John was there and, and, um, John was kind enough to allow me to, to stay at his house the, the night after the gig, but, um, which the I'm palatial, sure. the palatial parts unknown studios. Yeah, exactly. And, and he has set fire to that room that I was in uh, since uh, that night. Do you want to tell him why? <laughs> to cleanse it, surely. <laughs> Yeah, I will get to that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it was fun meeting up at the at the IHOP, and then I, you know, I pull into the parking lot, I see them all started to come out, and this was like right in the beginning of when we're starting to hear about the coronavirus, and it was enough where I think everybody was concerned about it, but we weren't freaking out about it or or, or really panicked about it just yet, but we were concerned about it. So, you know, in America, it's still. I hope this changes and I think it is changing, but it, at the time it was still, it's still very common, you know, just to go up to people and shake their hand when you see them for the first time. And I, I was feeling a little weird about that, but my, about doing that, even to the point where I thought, should I shake people's hands or what should I do here? I, I don't want to appear, um, you know, unfriendly. So I, I met Scott first and he stuck his hand out. So I shook it. And then I met Simon and, he stuck his hand out, so I shook it. And then I come up to Mark. Mark came out, and uh, and I said, "Hey, it's great to see you again." I stuck my hand out, and Mark's like, "No, no, no, no." <laughs> he's, he's like, "I don't shake hands anymore. I'm retraining myself." And I said, "You know what? You're exactly right. Thank you for saying that because that makes me feel better about not wanting to shake anyone else's hand." So we we gave like a we gave the old elbow bump, and uh, and that was nice, but. And so it didn't have to worry about shaking hands for the rest of the day. But, um, yeah, it, it was it was nice meeting Simon and Scott for the first time. But when I when I met them, they seemed really a little bit jet lagged at that point. They were just kind of kind of lethargic. And I could tell they weren't they were being as nice as they could be. But I could tell that they were not totally feeling that great. Uh, did, did you think that was the case, John, at that time as well? Because they seemed like they were they didn't really come into their own until later on that night. Well, it, it was it was a bit of the kind of the the, the bums rush from from the moment they landed. Uh, uh, basically, when they they left Heathrow, uh, their flight was delayed, and when they got to Kennedy, they hit a storm and it was delayed even further. They did a couple of laps around wow. around the airport, uh. and so so basically they land in New York. Uh, it's a little ride little ride to the hotel, and by the time they they hit the bed 
it's like it's like two o'clock in the morning, two thirty, and they got a gig the next day, and then a gig the day after that, and so there really wasn't a whole lot of time to kind of catch up. And basically, and Bruce didn't got to cut and do it. We had to do a a second run to Kennedy Airport because uh, while the band got uh, on the flight, apparently the guitars didn't. Yeah, and we had to. Uh. Before we had to go to Daryl's house, we had so we had to push off a little earlier to go to Daryl's house because we had to return to Kennedy Airport to pick up the guitars. And uh, again, while again this was the beginning of all this Corona stuff was going on, uh, the roads were, you know, a little less congested, but still New York City traffic. So getting through to Kennedy airport, basically, basically getting into the outer skirts of the city and then back out, uh, again, it just kind of added time to it. And, you know, by the time, you know, uh, you arrived for the, uh, the Sony show, I, again, there, there hadn't been a whole lot of sleep that had, had been yeah. had, had at that point. That's what I figured. And you could tell, I mean, they were just like, Hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. And I totally got it. So, um, so we all hopped in the big van and John, John was driving us. And uh, he drove us into Manhattan and um, to the Sony Hall. And as, as we got in there, as I mentioned when we were speaking with Bruce, I, I, you know, my uncle used to live in New York. He moved recently, but I visited him quite a bit. So I've been in New York a lot over the years. And I just thought, man, this is so weird that there are the, the, the streets are far less crowded than I remember them, especially in downtown Manhattan. I mean, they were still crowded. Don't get me wrong, but it was it was not like a mob of people that I would normally expect especially on a nice day because it wasn't in, in early March, but it was, it was fairly warm out. Um, so we did make it to Sony music hall. We, we, uh, I became a roadie. We helped everyone load stuff in. And, uh, the funny thing is like we were walking down Sony music hall, which is a, a beautiful venue, really nice, nice looking place. And the great little, great little venue. It kind of goes, you go down these steps and it's underground. And they had this little, uh, case with all of, all of these great, old Sony products from, from years gone by, including the very first Sony Walkman. And it was all encased in this, in this glass case and lots, lots of cool little, um, gizmos there from days of Sony past. But the funniest thing was when we were walking down the steps, um, Jamie was in front and they had this, uh, electronic marquee that was showing posters of who was going to be playing there in the near future. And right as we walk down, there's this big poster for Mike Peters playing. <laughs> and Jamie's like, oh, look at that, Mike Peters. Right as we walk down, there's Mike Peters. So uh, we all laughed about that, and they, they still have fond feelings for Mike. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, every, we set up everything, uh, or they started to set up their equipment. And, and um, before they actually did the sound check, they had a good bit of time. So we ended up being able to go walk around around the city for a little while. And, um, I made just like, I almost ruined the whole experience for myself because Bruce, uh, Jamie, Scott, Simon, um, they went out, we all went out to, to wander around and John was coming as well. And, um, we, we lost John as, as in fact, initially too, but uh, we <laughs> had to park and, the van. Yeah. John had to park the van. And so we started walking around and John was texting me and I wasn't seeing the text. I was just like, I had my phone in my pocket and, um, for some reason I didn't feel any sense of it getting a, not a notification or anything. And later on, John was like, I was texting you. Why weren't you answering me? I'm sorry. I didn't see you. <laughs> but, um, I did the, the dumbest thing that only a, a tourist would do. And as I said, I've been to New York many times. So I, I, 
was just felt like a complete moron for doing this in the beginning. But so so Bruce and Jamie and I were going to walk around a little bit, and um, we walk out into the middle of, of Times Square and to, into this area, and and in the distance, the not too far distance, I see these these guys dressed in these what look like amazing costumes of Marvel comic book characters. I mean, they look like really fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> they look like really well done. John's laughing, so you, can, you know what's coming. Or you have an idea, something not good is coming. And I was like, look at those guys. They, those costumes are incredible. They're, they're so cool. And they were all sta- there were like 10 of them. And they're all standing together. So I thought this has to be some sort of, uh, you know, public, uh, public display of Marvel superheroes that you can go look at and see what's going on. So, so I foolishly, like a, like a moron, started to walk up toward them. And I did at least have enough sense that I wasn't going to just run up there and see what it was. I was like slowly approaching and craning my neck as I got closer to see what this was. But I was so impressed with, with the costumes. And um, as, I got, as I got to about 10 feet of them, they, they like sensed my presence and they turned around and they all approached me like and, and encircled me. And they were these, uh, they, they were these Mexican guys. <laughs> and as I saw them, up close, I could tell that their costumes were like all ripped and dirty and torn. <laughs> and and then they took my camera, uh, they took my phone because I had my phone in my hand, and they they said, "Hey, hey, great to see you. Where are you from? Where are you from?" And I was like, "Oh no, I knew I knew what this was now, and there's no escaping it." And um, so you want a picture? You want a picture? So they took my phone, um, and uh, like eight or nine of them got behind me and put their arms around me, and the other one was taking picture after picture. And I was like, oh, geez. So as they're taking the picture, I knew what this was leading up to. Okay, so obviously. And as soon as they're done, they do hand me the phone back and they say, hey, you know, we make our we make our living off of tips. So if you could give us a tip for this this photo, we'd really appreciate it. Well, I'm not one who carries much cash anyway uh, these days, but I did did happen to have like two dollars in my wallet. Um, So and, and again, like I said, there were 10 of them. So I open up my wallet and. I see the $2 and I say, I'm sorry, guys, this is all I have. Uh, I'm happy to give it to you, but all I have is $2. <laughs> and they really look like they wanted to kill me. Right there. They're like, you only have $2? And I say, yeah, I'm sorry, this is all I have. I, I even, you know, to be even more foolish, I, I held my wallet open and showed them, this is all I have is $2. And I gave them the $2 and then they, they didn't say anything. They just like looked at me like, you, you complete and utter ass giving us $2. And another guy came up. So what about us? What about us? We were in the picture, and I, I said, I don't have anything left. I just gave him my last two dollars. So um, it, it's kind of like that that old '80s movie where that little kid was chasing someone looking for two dollars. I can't remember which movie that was, but Better Off John, Dead. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, John Cusack was in that. Where's my two dollars? So the whole point of this, beyond me being an idiot, is that <laughs> this this took a few minutes to to happen, and. When I turned around, Bruce was gone, Jamie was gone, Scott was gone, Simon was gone, and I'm like, all right, where the hell is everybody? Now I'm in the middle of Times Square. Um, I, I know that I'm fairly close to Sony Music Hall. Yeah, I could probably find my way back there, but uh, I don't know where anyone else is. So I, I just started walking to think about where they might be. And because, you know, I, I didn't know if they were going to wait for me or if they were just going off on their own. And, um, Thankfully, it was it was the former, but they didn't know where I was either. So I, I thank God for Simon Huff because I was going the wrong way, and I just happened to turn around and look the other way, and I saw this big 
head of white hair, like in the distance. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, that's Simon. That's Simon. And I went, I ran over toward where they, Simon was. And then Bruce and Jamie were there too. And, uh, they were like, they were kind of waiting for me and they, you know, they were thrilled to be there as well. So they were looking around, but they're like, yeah, what happened? You know, we, we lost you. So, um, so anyway, that crisis was averted and we, we were all pretty hungry. So we were looking for a place to, uh, to go eat. And, um, that's when we, we started getting messages from John, like, you know, where are you guys? Cause I didn't know we were, I, I, I wasn't sure what John was doing. I knew he was, I knew you were parking the car, John, but I didn't know if like you were doing stuff inside the Sony music hall or what. So I was just kind of going with the flow. Like uh, Bruce and Jamie were walking around. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go with them. But John wanted to go come too, obviously. So he, he was sort of being left behind. So <laughs> we, we finally got in touch with him and, and said, we're going to stop at this, uh, at this cafe and eat. And we were looking, we were looking at the menus on the outside of all the windows, trying to find the cheapest place. And there was like no cheap stuff to be found anywhere. So we finally just said, all right, screw it. We're just going to eat here. And, um, we, we, we went in into this place and actually had a really fantastic meal. And then, um, John and Mark, uh, found us and Mark had this big piece of cake. That's all he wanted to eat was a big piece of cake. And, uh, um, yeah, so we had, we had a good lunch and talked about some things and everybody felt a lot better. And, um, back into the Sony music hall, we went to, uh, for them to do their sound check and get set up and, uh, on the way back, as Bruce was mentioning, one of the cool things that we that we did run run into was the old Bonds Casino, which is now a restaurant called Bonds. And uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about or why that means anything, um, I'm a huge Clash fan, and Bruce is a huge Clash fan. And back in the early 1980s, I think it was 81, 80 or 81, um, the Clash was scheduled to play at Bonds Casino. And the... Um, the event was incredibly overbooked. Uh, the place could only hold like a few hundred people and the, the promoter booked like thousands of people. So <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. So when, when it came time for the show, they had to turn away hundreds of people who wanted to, who had bought tickets and wanted to attend the show. They had to turn hundreds of them away, maybe even thousands. And there were almost like these riots in the street. I mean, if you go online on YouTube and look for clash, uh, bonds, residency or just clash bonds probably will get you there you'll see like a lot of the footage of, of people in the streets are really upset and that police were on horseback and trying to control the crowds and so what the clash ended up doing was they ended up playing 17 shows at this at this bonds casino so they could meet all the demand they had they had a, a residency there for 17 days uh, i think it was 17 days i know it was like 17 shows i don't know if they took any days off or not but they played <laughs> like 17 gigs there so they can meet the demand. That seems like such a Spinal Tap thing to do. Like instead of playing <laughs> a large hall or, or theater, you play a 200 capacity club 17 times. <laughs> <laughs> I know that doesn't make sense. It's crazy. I mean, I, it was it was more than 200. It was probably like from what I read, it might have been pushing 800 or 900 people. Now I have a word of caution for you. The fire marshal say last night Bonds was crowded beyond its legal capacity. So if you want to see the clash tonight for the midnight performance, you have to have Ticketron tickets or they won't let you in the front door. Okay. No ticket, no admission. Visit of fans of the British rock group The Clash, but tickets to their week-long stint in Manhattan oversold by Bonds Casino. Peter Bannon is standing by live now in Times Square where fans are lining up for tonight's show. Peter? 
Roseanne, they've gotten in there okay. What the situation was, you take one of the hottest groups in rock today and make their only U.S. appearance with a week-long stand here in Times Square. You sell 25,000 tickets and then find out you're oversold by half. Well, again, it has been peaceful tonight. Let's take a look at it earlier with an explanation of what happened. The Clash sold 3,500 tickets each for a week of shows. Last night, although there was no problem, fire marshals determined 1,800 was a safe capacity based on the number of fire exits. The Clash decided to honor Ticketron tickets sold nationwide for the night on the ticket. For the rest, they have rescheduled another show for each overbooked night or given the folks the option of a refund. The, the class, the band that wasn't aware of it, and they were they weren't aware of the problems that were that the promoter had by overbooking everything. But um, to their credit, they they wanted to make sure that everyone who wanted to see them got to see them. So they they played like a series of seventeen shows in this place. And what was so cool about those shows is that almost every one of them was different. I mean, they had like some of the songs they obviously played throughout all the shows, but they they changed up the set list all the time. And there are a lot of bootlegs out there from from these Bond shows and. Nice. Um, lots of different set lists and, and different experiences. So it was really, really a cool thing. So in Clash history, that was a really huge deal. So when we saw the big Bond sign, which was really, really close to Sony Music Hall, Bruce was like, is that the same Bonds that the Clash played at? It's got to be. And it, it looked a little different from what we remembered uh, on the videos and stuff. But we, we searched it up and we we found out that it was. It was the same one. It, it, it's now been converted into a a restaurant and the building looks slightly different, but the big bonds logo is still the same. So we got some pictures taken there in front of that. And that was great. And we both felt like we were on clash hollowed ground, you know, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and they, they, they did their sound check and it was really, it was cool to watch that. And what was funny is that Bruce referenced the, the opening band. And as he said, none of us knew who they were. They were called the Richard Lloyd band. And um, I, I'm familiar with television, and I'd heard of Richard Lloyd before, but the, the other the other guitarist in television that I was more familiar with was Tom Verlaine. And um, that band, Television, if you're not that familiar with them, they were a huge influence on Stewart as a guitar player, um, and they were also a huge influence on The Edge as a guitar player, um, and many, many other people. They were... They were, they came into their own in about nineteen late late 70s, I think. Um, and, Marquee and, Moon was released in 1977. Okay. And, and they were just a, a very influential band on a lot of those bands like the Skids and Big Country and U2 that, that came shortly after. I mean, the guitar playing was really unique and and um, and different. But I'd forgot. I Like I said, I knew who Richard Lloyd was, but the, it just never clicked with me. I just saw Richard Lloyd Band. And... It took me sitting there watching the sound check. It kind of took me back to my old days in a band where whenever there was a support act or another band that was playing on the same show as you, you would get sort of territorial and you would feel like, who are these who are these losers? Look at them. You know? <laughs> who do they think they are? And I remember like seeing this these guys um, playing and getting up on stage and they all had these like annoying looking hats on <laughs> that just that just bothered me. Like if you if you ever saw the movie Uncle Buck where John Candy has that big Russian hat and he says like this hat just annoys people. It just angers people. <laughs> that's, that's like how I felt looking at their, their dumb hats. <laughs> they all were wearing these dumb hats 
And I just was like, look at these, look at these guys. Who are these guys? Richard Lloyd band. I never even heard of them. And I, I thought they were sort of pretentious is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they came across to me as pretentious. And I just kind of thought, uh, um, didn't think, didn't think much else of it. So, um, that'll come into play when we get to the gig here in a second. But, uh, so big country then did their sound check and that they sounded great. They did a thousand stars and, you know, very similar to what you experienced fine. I didn't get to see them do restless natives, um, or, or, and, or the things that some of the things you saw them do at, at their sound check, but, uh, it was cool to, to watch them do it and they sounded excellent. And, um, and Mark was playing on a borrowed kit and they still sounded fantastic. So they did the sound check. Um, they got some food and everybody was perking up at this point and, um, there was still some time to kill. So before the show, so we decided to go out again and wander around. And, um, this is when we finally got a proper WKW photo shoot where we were all together at the same time. And um, these shots were actually taken by Mark Brzecki. <laughs> so that was really fun. We, all, we wanted to go to, to the Saturday Night Live um, studios uh, um, in New York. And Bruce was talking about and remembering when they played there back in 83 and how cool that was. So we wanted to go to the area where that, where that um, is shot. And we, we found our way down there and... and um, we wanted to also go into the big toy store, uh, FAO Schwartz, which for some reason I thought no longer existed, but it, it's back. It's back in New York. Um, this, this huge toy store that was made famous in the movie Big when uh, Tom Hanks goes onto the gigantic keyboard on the floor and, and runs across it and plays stuff with his legs on this this big keyboard. So and Jamie was like, let's go, let's go to the, let's go into the, the store and see if that keyboard is in, still in there. I wasn't sure if it would be after all these years, but, uh, sure enough, it was, I guess it's still a big iconic thing. So, so everybody was laughing while Jamie jumped on this big keyboard and <laughs> took off his shoes and was, was jumping back and forth and playing stuff on the keyboard while some little kid was running around. And, and that was kind of fun. Um, so then we ended up going to, uh, passing by radio city music hall and we went to, the, the place in, in where um, Saturday Night Live is shot. What is that place called again, John? It's like Park Rockefeller Plaza. Rockefeller Plaza. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. And um, it, it was getting about time to head back to the venue. And, and that's when I thought, you know, I, I, I want to get us some, some pictures of us here for WKWs that we can use. So I asked Mark, yeah, can, Mark, would you mind taking a shot of, of Bruce, Jamie and myself? And I felt kind of bad asking him. I didn't want to you know, ask him something like that necessarily. Not that it was a huge deal, but I just didn't want to impose on him. But of course he was very, not only very nice about it, but he, he went nuts about it. <laughs> he was like, he's like, Oh yeah, come over here. Come over here. This is where I want you to be. I want you to be right here. Bruce, you'd be right here. Jamie, you'd be right here. Tom, you'd be right here. I want to get this behind you. And he took like 10 shots in one location. And I was like, that's great. Thank you so much for doing that. And he's like, Oh wait, wait, this part, this is going to be a great shot right here. Come over here and do it here. So he was like posing us all over the place. He must have must have put us in like three or four different locations. And, um, you know, if you've ever talked with Mark for a long period of time, you, you know that he's he's one of those guys that really gets into everything that he does um, with, with meticulous detail. And, and him taking photos was no different. I mean, he was like he was <laughs> kneeling down on the ground and, and almost lying down on the ground, getting shots up at us and then telling us to 
and I was totally fine with what he shot, but then he would say like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good enough. Let's, let's do this again. Do it, do it over here. So it must've been like 15 minutes of him taking pictures of us. <laughs> so, so that was really cool. And, uh, some of those I've shared, uh, I'll share a couple more on the WKW site here later, but anyway, so we, we, we went back into the show and, uh, everything got started and, and the band was down in the, in their, uh, in their dressing room. Um, after they ate and they were just kind of chilling out watching the office, they were all watching the office on this big, big television and kind of just sitting there in silence, you know, tired silence, but they were getting ready for the show. So I went out to, to listen to the opening band again and, um, and see what they were like. And, and some other, uh, people were showing up too, that I knew from online. Um, for example, actually when, when I, when we came back from, uh, from the SNL Rockefeller Plaza area, so who do I see but uh, Kara Kewley, uh standing at the entrance of Sony Music Hall. And it's like, it was great. I mean, we had never met before, but I immediately recognized her. She immediately recognized me, and we just gave each other a big hug. And and it was very cool to see her. Kara is a, is a younger fan, a younger big country fan, for those of you who don't know. She actually was a, a, appeared on the Great Divide show um, a while back as a, as a roundtable member. Episode 53. Ah, awesome. Thank you. Great pull. <laughs> so, so you can't uh, shake hands with people, but you can hug them. I know. I, 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 I like I say, I, I was not 100 percent in <laughs> in the social distancing mode yet. But uh, you're right, though. You're right. Exactly. I, I wasn't thinking about it there. Hey, everybody. This is Kara from New Jersey. Hope you're all hanging in there during these tough times. I was just wanted to talk a little bit about my experience seeing them, seeing the band live twice last month in New York. I was very fortunate enough that I could take off of work, pay whatever money that I had to. Luckily, not really that much money to see them. But uh, I really wanted to make it happen, especially because I think I still had like a little like unfinished business after seeing them in 2013. Because most of the time, about half that show was the journey and half the show was the crossing. So it was really great to see uh, some more diversity in, in, this, in this set list. This time around, though they did play twice, which was the same set list twice. Sorry for both the shows, which is fine because Daryl's house was my sit down night. I really got to like absorb, and I did um, record on a microphone that I borrowed from a friend, uh, a recording set. But so the Daryl's house was my sit down show. I got to watch them. I really got to like absorb that. And then the next night at Sony Hall was like my dance show. I got to like dance around and have a great time. So. I thought it worked out perfectly, and I got to meet Tom for the first time. Uh, he saw my WKWCD. I might have the only copy of that CD that's only autographed by Tom. Not quite sure, but anyway, great album. Been di really digging it lately, and uh, and then I got to meet John Gouveia as well. Uh, Ever the gentleman, he was very kind enough to invite me to the um, the. Daryl's house sound check, which I'll never forget. So thank you so much, John. And I made some other friends. Um, you know who you are, and I, it, everybody was so cool. So uh, I just really want to, you know, send out positive vibes because I, I just, you know, I just, it was incredible. I'll, I feel like I don't have any other concert goals in my life because I got to see Big Country twice in the same week. Uh, and they were just awesome. They were so fun. Thanks. Stay live. Shut up!
Yeah, I gave her a hug, and and she was telling me about how she had been at the Daryl's show, Daryl's house show, and how great that was, and that was cool to meet her. And then I went in and uh, met some other people that I knew from the list, uh, Cora Crowley, um, Chuck Simmons was great to see him, um, and and then met some other people too. And that that was what I really was looking forward to doing during the show and before the show is meeting some of those people that I knew would, were going to be there that I had never met before and uh, was just going to have some fun talking with. You know, just like you had that experience in Liverpool's fine. Hi, everyone. My name is Chuck. I live in West Hartford, Connecticut in the United States. When I saw a big country was coming to the United States, playing in New York in two consecutive dates, I bought two tickets to the first show, which was at Daryl's house about 80 miles away from where I live. And the other one was in Manhattan, about 100 miles away. Uh, with the two tickets, I wasn't sure who would go with me. As it got closer to the date of the gig, I looked at the start time, and the start time was 7 o'clock. And that led me to bring my son, Weller. He's 18 years old. He's on the autism spectrum. And he's really uh, interested in, and cares a lot about his routine. So he likes to go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. He wakes up at 5 o'clock every day. And the start time of the show really allowed me to to bring him, which was a, a great thing. We got there almost right at 5 o'clock when the doors opened, and we walked in, and, and a sound check was happening. And they brought us right up to the third table right in front of of the group, um, and it was amazing. We just saw the band playing A Thousand Stars and come back to me, and uh, it was just incredible. Um, after that, after the sound check... Um, I just tried to keep Weller calm. He was he was a little anxious. It was a long time for him to wait. I said hi to some some people that you know I met that day: John, Kara, um, Scott, and it was nice meeting some people. Um, the show itself was just incredible. It was really a joy to watch the band. Um, they're 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 incredible musicians. What I really enjoyed was watching them all be happy and watching Jamie and Bruce interact and have that relationship um, as I was there with my son uh, enjoying you know my favorite band <laughs> it was just incredible I cried a lot I took some videos of my son singing and dancing and, and just having a great time um, he deleted all of those videos on the way home but it was a really perfect evening one funny thing about the show I guess is that you know my son and I joke a lot about what Tom would call the karate barks in big country songs. And during the show, we heard no no karate barks and no shahs. So I guess that's not Simon's thing. And Weller was able to joke afterwards that he stopped the shah. And that was good fun for us. Um, the next day, I took a bus from Hartford to Manhattan. I had a great time at the show. Saw Kara, John, Tom. And I always knew that this was the gig there. I was going to dance around and jump around and and you know show some energy and i could do that because i knew i'd be at you know the show the night before i took a bus back to connecticut later that night and it it was a great gig too i did tell tom that night but i want to say it again uh i don't think i would have had this experience with these concerts and it's specifically the experience with my son at daryl's house if it hadn't been for the podcast and you know i'm so grateful for that one more thing, I don't want to make light of the coronavirus. There's more important things than concerts. But if the dates for these gigs had been just a little bit later, they may not have happened at all. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to do, see my favorite band and, and meet these people. It was amazing. Thank you all. 
My name is Weller, and I stopped the Shah. So anyway, the the opening band is playing, and I'm listening to them, and uh, I'm thinking, well, these guys are actually pretty good. And that the guitar player is like this older guy that I didn't notice at the sound check. He's he's he seemed you know fairly old, um, like maybe in his his mid to late sixties, but he's damn good on guitar. And um, and then they they go into the song uh, "I See No Evil" or I think yeah, it's called yeah. "See No Evil." Yeah, it's a television song, and I'm not incredibly familiar with television's uh, output. I don't own anything by them, but I've listened to them over the years, and, and that's certainly one of the one of their biggest songs. And it was at that moment when they were playing that song, and everybody was really getting into it because I noticed there were a lot of people in the crowd that were really into them. You know, much more than you would think from just uh, an unknown opening act. And um, when they were playing that song, I was like, it all clicked for me. I was like, holy crap, Richard Lloyd. That's how I know that name. He's the guitar player in television. He's the other guitar player in television. That's actually him. This is a this is an icon standing up here playing. And I, and I was, you know, <laughs> mocking them earlier. And this is a this is a guitar playing icon and a punk icon and a huge influential guy. So I actually went backstage to where the band was, Big Country, and I I told Bruce, I said, Bruce, that opening band, you know, that opening band that we were talking about. He's like, yeah. I said, that's Richard Lloyd from television. And he's like, what? You're kidding. And I was like, no, that's Richard Lloyd. And he and he said, uh, I was wondering about that. He said, because like he said, when he was talking with me, he said, I heard them playing all this television stuff. And I I thought that was good, but I, I, I didn't know if that was really him. And so Bruce got really excited and he goes out and starts watching the uh, watching the band play and he was really into it as well so that was really cool And um, anyway, after that, uh, the, the band came on shortly after, and uh, I'm not going to go into tons of detail uh, about the show. Just to say, just a few general observations. I mean, as I said, it was it was the first time I'd ever seen this version of the band. Um, I've seen plenty of YouTube videos and things like that, but I was not. Uh, I knew I would love them. I knew you know I would enjoy it quite a bit, but I was really, really surprised at how much. Uh, I, how much I really loved it. Um, and when I say that, I mean from that emotional level of where that you feel with big country. I mean, I, I certainly figured that I would feel that on some level, but I'm going to be completely honest here. You know, Simon watching Simon on YouTube and, and those types of things. I always thought this guy has a great voice. He sounds great. But, um, at times I felt like, uh, I guess, I, I guess the best way to say it is I didn't feel like the real, deep-seated connection that he might have to big country's music that connects itself to that heart of the band like i i would often wonder like is he just is he just singing the songs to sing them or does he really feel this you know and i couldn't always tell on youtube videos even though i could tell that the performances were really good you know but i gotta say being there and hearing him live um i was so impressed with him and as i mentioned before 
Steel Town, especially when they, when they went into Steel Town and toward the end of that and end of that chorus. And Bruce mentioned that it's a really high part. And um, Stewart, in fact, when they would sing that live with the band, he he often wouldn't hit those high notes as as he did on the album. But um, Simon was hitting all of them, and he was singing so passionately and so forcefully, and it was just such a powerful moment. And I got those chills. Yeah, I got those those big country chills, and that that was like my my moment where I was like, yeah, this this lineup is is great. You know, this is a a great worthy lineup for these songs. And um, you know, I just thought that that song to me just really stood out, and I just thought it sounded it just sounded so good. And I was, I was also really impressed with Simon because. As I mentioned, um, when I met him, I could tell he wasn't feeling that great. And throughout the evening leading up to the show, he wasn't feeling that great. Um, in fact, some of the band members were talking about it like he just he just wasn't himself. He wasn't feeling very well. He was really jet lagged. He was really tired and, and really, you know, struggling a bit with his, with his energy level. But you would never know it when he got out there because he he sang great. He hit every note. He um, he performed incredibly well. Uh, And then there's Scott Whitley. I mean, man, it's it's mind blowing how talented that guy is. And I don't know if you've got you guys have have followed what he's been doing um, during this coronavirus thing. But apparently he had a band with his wife. Yeah. uh, Years ago. Yeah. And and they're doing like they used to they used to play cover songs, I guess. And um, him and I guess I, I guess they had other musicians in the band as well. But. They decided to put together this streaming um, performance where they where they played like the same type of set they used to play back whenever they were doing this. It's just like a lot of old cover songs. You know, a lot of them I don't particularly like, you know, Shania Twain and things like that. But I checked it out last night and I was like, holy crap, this guy even does an an unbelievable job just streaming. I mean, he, you know, most people when they stream live shows now or live performances, they literally would just set up a phone and, and just record themselves playing live which is what i would do but this guy like put together cameras that are cutting back and forth at different angles he clearly has the sound coming through a professional mixer because it's going it's streaming on youtube and it sounds perfect it you know everything fantastic it did like everything was mixed incredibly well so he's he's obviously got the feed coming through like the mixing board and um he's playing he's playing incredible bass he's got like the lighting is great. He's got lights everywhere. It's like, holy crap, man! What what do you what do you do that sucks? I I really want to know what you do that sucks because this is this is uh, making me feel like a lesser human being just to be around this guy. <laughs> well, it's it's not a total surprise if you know his passion for camera and photography and taking videos and vidcasting and stuff. But still, even knowing all that, that was a hell of a setup. Oh, it was yeah, really, really quite a setup. So they can clearly do more. You, you don't yeah. create a setup like that and, and leave it at one performance. Exactly, exactly. And, and I, I heard his wife last night saying that he spent like the last week setting all this up, <laughs> you know, which I could see. Thank you, Roger D. Cheers. Okay, we're going to finish this set off. Get a chance to go for a wee or a drink or whatever in the break. Ten minutes, I think it is. Got a bit of blondie now. Hope you like it. Hope you're having a good time. I'm having a good time, Joe. So am I. I'm Ben. Yeah, he's having a good time. What's he wrong, though? You know, it's fantastic.
I'd love to know how, what he's using to do it. Not not that I want to, you know, because I'm thinking of doing like something in the future where I play a few WKW songs and things like that. But I was just going to go the bare bones route, you know, and I'm not I'm not even going to pretend to try to want to do what he set up. But I would at least like to know how he did it, what he used to get that great yeah, sound yeah. coming through the, the stream. But we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, just watching him play live was was just unreal. I mean, you know, obviously, as we talk about all of this, nothing nothing can ever touch the original lineup. You know, Tony Stewart, Bruce, Mark Brzezicki, but for for so many different reasons. But these guys are really really strong, and and Scott Whitley is is quite honestly one of the best musicians I've ever seen. I mean, not just the way that he plays bass, which is which is flawless. I mean, he's doing like finger tapping and and slapping stuff on different songs and it 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 fit perfectly but um if you ever seen him play guitar as well he's he's fantastic at that and he's a he's a good singer so that guy's impressive man so anyway you know they're they're playing their set and as bruce said they're very steel town centric um crossing centric uh, a few odds and ends thrown in like restless natives and some stuff from the seer. Um, but, uh, you know, really heavily concentrated on the, on the first three albums, which is, which was fine by me. And I, you know, I, I loved hearing it. Uh, so I'm watching the show with everybody else, right, right in the, in the front. Um, the way this place was set up was that there was a, a dance floor, um, in the front of the stage, and then behind that, there were lots of tables, and and that area was packed with people sitting at the tables. Um, on the dance floor, it was maybe like half full, but it, it, it was a good turnout for the night uh, overall. I'm sure uh, it wasn't jam packed to the to the ceiling, but um, the dance floor w- was about half full with people crowding up to the stage, and then the the area. Uh, behind that was just packed full of people sitting at tables and and watching from that vantage point. So I was on the dance floor, um, standing there watching, kind of at Jamie's side and just enjoying it along with everyone else. And Kara was nearby, and um, I, I always just whenever I'm at a which isn't very often, obviously, but ever at a big country show, um, I just I enjoy seeing the reactions from different people just to because I still had that thing ingrained in me like. Even though obviously it's not true anymore, we all know it. But I still have that mentality of of like, gosh, there are other big country fans in the world. Look at this; there really are other big country fans, not just me. And uh, e- even though we've all proven that wrong a million times, there's still that sense. And so it's cool to watch the other fans of different ages and lots of young fans too. In fact, um, one thing I forgot to mention was that when we went out uh, the second time with uh mark and bruce and jamie this young this guy came up to us he was following us for a little while and i was i was becoming aware of him and then he like uh, tapped me and he's like are are you guys he's he's like are you guys with the band because i I is that bruce watson and i was like yeah this is big country right here and um and then he produced his daughter who was with him who was like 12 years old maybe maybe 13 or 14 at the most and um he's like i i I brought my daughter. She's a huge fan of yours and she can't believe that she's seeing you. And I'm really sorry to stop you in the middle of the street, but I saw you and I, I thought I, I need to see if that's them. And, um, it was, it was such a cool moment. I mean, this little, I, I'm about to say little kid. I mean, she's 14 years old, little kid to me. Um, but she was so enamored, but with seeing Bruce and, and Jamie and Mark and, uh, she was a phenomenal fan. I could tell because I asked her what her favorite 
album was, and she said Steel Town. <laughs> so I was like, holy crap, a 14-year-old girl whose favorite album is Steel Town. And, um, you know, they were incredibly nice to her and, and, and took photos with her. And Bruce even said, in fact, I think, I think her name was, it was Emma or Eva or something like that. I think it was Eva. And Bruce said, um, well, when we, we're going to play Steel Town tonight, and when we do, I'm going to dedicate it to you. And she she was so, you know, thankful for that. And she just was really shy and she was smiling. I could tell it just made her her life up to that point. And, um, you know, to meet the, those guys and to see that the younger people getting into the band like that was really cool. And and even just watching the crowd from from my vantage point, there were there was a great mix of ages. I mean, you know, old codgers like myself and, and JF and G. <laughs> and then you know middle-aged people and younger people and and even older people so that was neat so anyway so i'm watching the show kind of on jamie's side and um i guess jamie noticed me out there uh at, throughout the show and i you know i i had no i had no uh designs on coming up on stage and playing with them i never asked them uh if i could if i could do that i would never do that uh i and I th- I thought you know well if we, if we do something that would be that'd be really cool but if we don't I'm just gonna leave it to them because you know they they know what they want to do and what they can do and they might just not be feeling it just want to just want to do the show and and have a normal show so I'm just watching the show and at this point in the show I'm feeling like well I you know there, there probably isn't going to be any sort of WKW thing going on here and nobody would really know anyway probably so uh, I'm just gonna enjoy watching the show and I can't remember what song it was but. Uh, at one point in the middle of the song, Jamie's like looking at me while they're playing and he's he's gesturing for me to come up on stage. And you know, I do I do the thing where I point to myself like me and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." And then he keeps shaking his head like, "Come up on stage." So I thought, "Great. I this that's great. I I'm happy to do it. I can't wait to get up there, but I don't really know what he wants me to do." Um so I went up onto the stage and as I mentioned we were talking when we were talking with Bruce, I went backstage like this little uh, a staircase that we had gone up before earlier in the earlier in the show. In fact, uh, um, before the show started, uh, Bruce asked me to go out on stage and just test his guitar and Jamie's guitar to make sure they were working. So that was going to be my moment. You know, I got to the, the crowd was already there, so I got to go out on stage, hold Bruce's guitar, and hit a big A chord and just let that ring out. And then just to make sure it worked, like I was a roadie. And then I got to do the same thing to Jamie's guitar, just like hit a big A chord, you know, and that was my moment. I was like, that's really cool. I got to do that. And when I went backstage, I said, did you hear how great that A chord was, Bruce? And he's like, yeah, that was an awesome A chord. So anyway, I thought, well, that that, that would be my moment for this show, to be to have been there roadie and, you know, be able to hit those chords and test their guitars out. So now I was being asked up on stage, and um, again, I wasn't sure exactly – what was was being asked of me i just knew that jamie was asking me to come up so i actually went up the steps past this girl who was supposed to be the the security guard and she looked like she was about 17 years old and she's sitting on this table reading a book like she's doing her homework (laughs) and i literally walked right by her i mean she kind of maybe looked at me out of the peripheral out of her peripheral vision but i walked right by her anyone could have done what i had just done she was a terrible security guard, in other words. <laughs> so I walk right by her. I went on to, to stage. I, I felt weird going out on stage, but he was asking me to come up, so I didn't know what he wanted me to do. So I came up to Jamie, and he's in the middle of playing his, the song, whatever the song was. And um, he looks at me, and, and he says, 
no, no, come come back up on the next song. You know, we're going to play Chance. And he's saying this over the over the loudness of uh, of what's going on. So I'm sure people in the audience were looking at looking and like, who's this idiot walking up on stage? What is he doing? So he said, come back. We're going to play Chance. So I went I went back. I, went back to the side of the stage and that's when the girl started to do her job and she's like who are you do you do you belong on stage <laughs> and i was like oh yeah they wanted me to come out and play with them and so uh they just finished the song and and then bruce ran back there and said oh he's okay and he's like we're gonna start the song we're gonna play the song and when it's time for you to come out um we'll let you know so i was like that's great so then they're they playing chance and um you know as as people might remember, I did that with them back in the Journey Tour. I know people are sick of that story, but now you've got a new story for me to tell. Um, <laughs> playing Chance again, so uh, so I just was sitting back there listening listening to them playing Chance and waiting waiting for my, whatever my moment was going to be. And uh, they got into the breakdown section where where Simon starts to lead the crowd in the Oh Lord portion, and um, he says like, "Well, we got a we got a guest vocalist that we're going to bring out." So I was like, great, I, I'll be singing to this. I, I could do that. Uh, so I come out on stage and to the side, and then Jamie gives me his guitar. And he points down at the at his effects box, and he says, you know, he says, press on this button for the distortion and press on this button for the clean sound. It's in the clean mode right now, but when it's time for the distortion, press on this. And, of course, this is all happening while the music is playing, and... Um, as a guitar player, you get used to your own setup, and it's hard to immediately uh, learn somebody else's. But it was just a simple button, so how hard could it be? So um, I was in the clean mode, and we were in that "Oh Lord, where did the feeling go?" part. And uh, and Bruce said, "Hey, it's Tom Kerchival," and I could hear like this resounding "Who? <laughs> yeah, like, who is this?" <laughs> and I was like, "They're not booing; they're saying who." <laughs> just. Almost as bad, but not quite as bad. Maybe there were some boos. I don't know. Maybe John was booing somewhere off in the distance. You heard that, <laughs> yeah. But actually, I got to I got to say thank you to John because um, once he was aware of what was going on, he like went back to to film it, and I really appreciate that to have that uh, on video. So, so anyway, so I'm, I'm playing the the song. It's an easy song to play, as most people know, and. Uh, I was singing some harmonies to it. I was getting into it. And then I realized, oh, this is great. I'm going to actually be able to play electric guitar this time. And uh, the distorted part, when everything kicks back in, you know, one of the greatest uh, big country moments is when that big guitar kicks in on chance, you know. Bah, bah, bah. So I was starting to really get excited about that. And um, I, I looked down to make sure I knew what the what the button was. And as Bruce said, Bruce didn't know that Jamie had already told me what what to step on, but I still welcomed Bruce coming over there. So Bruce was like, "I'm going to come over to make sure that I step on the right button for Tom, so that he knows what to what to hit." And um, he came over, stepped on it right at the exact moment, and then we hit those big power chords together, and uh, that was just fantastic. I mean, um, that was so much fun, and. Uh, yeah, I started. I started getting a little too into it. I started like playing some little solo parts and and things like that. Um, I couldn't hear myself very well though. And, and I later talked to Jamie, and, and he was saying the same thing. Like he was at, at times having a hard time hearing his guitar up on stage, so that made it a little more difficult. But um, anyway, we we finished the song, and um, when I look back on it, I just uh, like I said, they must have ended the song like 
10 times because I just, I couldn't, I, I never muted the chord after it was done. I just left that D chord continue to ring out. <laughs> and Mark kept like hitting the drum, doing a drum thing like da, 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 da. And then the D chord is still playing. And then he would be like, da, 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 da. And the D chord is still ringing out. And he's da, 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 da. And finally, finally, uh, J- you know, Jamie comes over and steps on the, the, uh, one of the buttons and the, we go back to the clean sound and, and the song ends but uh yeah i felt kind of bad about that later but um, nobody seemed to really notice and yeah it's a great moment
So that was a lot of fun to do that and uh, went back and was on cloud nine, you know, watching the rest of the show. And really the only thing left to, to talk about is just finally getting to speak with Simon and Scott more because after the show, they were much more amped up. And uh, I was speaking with Simon a good bit and I could tell he was feeling better and he was, he was such a friendly guy. And, and we, we spoke about, you know, all kinds of different general things and about big country in general, but, one of the coolest things was was with Scott, and, and he and Mark, Mark actually had heard the WKW stuff, and he was very complimentary of it, so that made me feel really good, and, and uh, he's like, yeah, I think your album is really good, I really like it, we, we've listened to it on, on the, on the, in the van, and it's, it's good, and we were actually talking about doing a video for Smolder, with Mark being in it, um, we we were thinking about going out to Times Square after the show and just like somebody playing the song and us lip syncing it while we were running around Times Square. <laughs> yeah, and Mark was going to be in it. I know that'd be great. That'd be really fun to do. Even though I was a little nervous about it, but we never never got to do it. I think by the time that would have happened, it was so late and everybody was getting tired. But uh, so we didn't get to do that. But um, I, I talk with Scott a lot too about his bass um, that he has created, and he actually had one there and gave it to me to play and, and fool around with, and I'd love to get one of those. Um, and he was a great guy. It was a lot of fun to talk with him. So, yeah, so then, uh, and this this is uh, then the epilogue of the story. So, you know, said our goodbyes, said goodbye to everyone. We drove back to, well, we drove back to the place where I met them at that IHOP, and then we said our goodbyes. And um, I had my car there, and as I said, John was going to put me up for the night at his house, but John had to drive uh, Mark someplace and uh another guy jeff um who was there uh, uh who would who has helped uh do tour work with big country and mike peters and guy on the old email list and guy i had known by uh i had known his name for a while but never met him another great guy it was really fun to meet him so he had to drive them somewhere so so uh john gave me uh just said go back to my house 
Um, I, I had it already programmed into my GPS, so I didn't think it would be a, a problem. And he gave me the key to his house to go in, and I knew what the house number was. And so, you know, it's like 1 a.m. at this point. Um, so I said my goodbyes to everyone. I got my car. I drove back to John's house, which wasn't that far away. It was maybe like a 10, 10, 15-minute drive. But then I get to his street, and his street is completely and utterly pitch black. There's like <laughs> – there's not one street light on, on the street. <laughs> so I had no idea what his house – where I couldn't read the house numbers is what I'm trying to say. I couldn't read the house numbers at all. And um, so I'm driving up and down the street, like seeing if I can make out what his house number was. And, you know, when people are driving up and down your street in a, in a relatively small street, if you're in the house and you and it wakes you up, you might, you might start to wonder what's going on. Uh, to make matters worse, there's no place to park uh, really on the street. Like like everything was completely taken, and the only place I could park was, was um, in his driveway, but I wasn't sure what his driveway was. And there were lots of other cars there too, so that was like going to be an issue. So – I ended up having to to park the car, and and like when I did, I saw these lights come on in, in one of the houses. Like after I had driven by like five times, so I text John. I'm like, John, I don't know where your house is. I can't find your house. And uh, he gave me like an idea of where where it was uh, in relation to where I was. So I was afraid I was somebody's going to shoot me or something because I was walking back and forth in the pitch dark at like one thirty a.m you know, from house to house, trying to find the, trying to get close enough to the, to a door so I could see what the house number was. And, um, anyway, I, I finally found it and <laughs> opened the door, parked my car. Uh, John eventually got back and then he had to repark my car for me. So I wasn't blocking his neighbors in because they all share like a driveway. We, uh, offer valet service at, uh, at Parks <laughs> Unknown. Yeah, he does. Good valet service too. And then in the morning he had drawn like a map to where my car was, was parked and, and like this big map to where my car was so I could find it. So, uh, yeah, it was good service there. Everything's the quiz. <laughs> but I was, I was really scared because I was like, I'm just walking around from house to house in pitch blackness. And, it, it, you know, someone's going to shoot me. But uh, it all worked oh, out well. I, I, found the, I found the house. I got in. Uh, his key worked. And um, I went to sleep. But then later on what I found out was that I, I left, like, a bunch of my clothes there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so John John kindly mailed them back to me. He mailed mailed back like a pair of jeans and a shirt and uh, a couple other things <laughs> that I left there. Because <laughs> so, in the morning I just got up in, in my sweatpants and I just got up and said goodbye and, and went on my four and a half hour drive home. But uh, yeah, so I left those behind. Yeah, I'm I'm cleaning up the house and I find his clothes in, inside the inside the sofa. I was like, oh. Please tell me he didn't sleep commando because I got to burn this sofa down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yes, I did not. So is this where the burning of the room comes into the picture? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he set fire to the room. So, uh, yeah. No, I was fully clothed when I slept, I promise you. So, yeah, so that was my that was my big country adventure. And uh, it was fun to have another big country adventure. And it was a great time. I mean, I, I really loved the 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 way the band sounded, they do justice to those songs more than justice and great guys in the band. And, uh, it's a shame that all this hit because, uh, I know this is going to obviously going to hurt their business quite a bit. I mean, they're basically out of work now until things get back to normal and who knows how long that's going to be. So, you know, let's all, let's all send our best to, to those guys in any 
any working musicians you might know. I mean, I, I'm lucky in the fact that I've uh, you know, got a regular job, so I don't make my living performing. Lucky, luckily for my family, <laughs> you know, in many ways, even before this hit. But uh, you know, so I've got that to to do. But musicians who are making their living off of touring, uh, they got they've got no work right now. So you know, support them as best you can. Buy buy some big country merchandise. Um, buy some big country product. Um, any band that you're really into that that really could use your support right now, and just help them out because this is this is a tough time for all of them, mm. and we don't know when big country will will be able to resume their touring. And you know, we all know they're one of the hardest working bands around. They've had, they had plenty of gigs scheduled and uh, that they've had to cancel. So uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to withstand this, and it won't last an incredibly long time, and they'll get they'll be able to get back on track. But uh, in the meantime. And one of those gigs that is coming up is, of course, the Norwegian gig. Yeah, that's right. That is on uh, June 1st. So it might be sort of fringe. Might it happen? Will it not happen? And right. we, we don't know. It's, it's sort of still a little bit, it, nearly two months into the future as we speak. Right. And that might be in time. It might not be. I mean, nobody knows how long this is going to go on. But that's uh, like so many other things. Hopefully it can be rescheduled if it isn't uh, happening. Yeah. I hope so too. You can also mention that another thing that is impacted with this is the the planned meet I know. of uh, of us. We were both going to Dunfermline uh, the week after, really the one we're entering into now. Yes, we were, and John too. And John was coming. John and I were going to be flying out together, so um, we were really looking forward to that. And we had even referenced it, you know, before maybe on the show. I don't know, but uh, yes, Fine and I were going to have our first meeting our first face-to-face meeting and um odin seems to have not found that in his uh favor he has prohibited that and that is one of the reasons he sent the coronavirus upon us to prevent us from meeting for the time being i don't know why but uh hopefully uh we can find favor with with uh odin again in the future and we'll see and, <laughs> but yeah that that whole ball mule thing is is was a huge disappointment i mean you know, Andy Pledger and Robert Bailey putting that together, and and uh, we were all so looking forward to that, and I was so looking forward to going and seeing all those great iconic places, and you know, meeting Svine and meeting Stuart Mangus and so many other people that were going to be there, and yeah, it's a bummer. But it, you know, it, it has been rescheduled for next year, so we'll just have to hope that everything will work out for that, and we'll be able to do it then. Yeah, if I have my health. I'll be there. Yeah. That might be a bigger question by the year if I have my health, but <laughs> if I do, I'll be there. I hope so. Yeah, hopefully we all will be. Yeah. We hope it can happen. So so we haven't given up. We're just uh, we uh, we lost this uh, this fight, but we'll win the war. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And and even, you know, after the after the New York show and uh big country went on that cruise ship, you know, we we're still talking with John about it. We were like, "Do you think the ball mule thing is going to be canceled?" Our president made the decision to ban flights there anyway, so that made the decision for us, and then everything else fell like dominoes. So, uh, yeah, we'll just have to hope that it works out next year. Yeah, if we still have this situation, then we're pretty much f- one way or another anyway. Yeah, I know. Ugh. It's a weird time, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad I was able to have that time in New York when I did, and then that the band was able to play those shows when they were able to, and... Um, yeah, yeah, I got out of there, got in and out just in time. That's for sure. 
Yeah, really. I mean, I, I was um, looking at all those shows from over here and uh, we had started the period of, of isolation. And then we had the one that was holding out, which was the UK and then the US. And just as they came back, the UK was pretty much closing and the US was starting to. But we were already in isolation, looking at these people traveling and feeling, geez, I hope this will go out okay in the end. Uh, that <laughs> didn't feel so good. And seeing also the, the challenges in traveling. When, when you do international traveling, there is no such thing as social distancing. Right. <laughs> there, there, there's nothing. You're, you're on top of uh, a lot of people. And uh, all the time you're queuing to get into stuff. And especially as, as the panic is spreading, there's maybe even more travelers that want to get somewhere before you lose that opportunity. And they were kind of caught in the middle of that. So, you know, enough time now has passed that we can say it, uh, you know, turned out okay for them. But it did feel that good when it was going on. I know. No, definitely. You're, you're right. We got some questions uh, we can get into at the very end. Someone on our Facebook page said today that uh, if there's any time that fits to release a podcast episode, it's now. And uh, <laughs> yeah. of course, we're, we're, we're doing that. You know, uh, you know, ironically, we had one lined up uh, and that's been released, I think, during the recording of this episode. That must be a first. <laughs> I, multi- I can multitask. You can. <laughs> we keep being impressed by the many tentacles you have operative at yes, once. Or, exactly. You are easily amused. <laughs> spine is not easily amused that's so that's spine is hard to please so that's a compliment from spine yeah well i didn't say i was amused i said i was impressed yeah he has high standards yes believe me i know but it's it's good but uh, as part of that discussion people started guessing and speculating what else we could be speaking about and and suggesting topics <laughs> so we we have one more episode to do from the pledgers yes that uh and i understand you want to have this one out first but what happens after that? What do, what are we doing? People want us to do rarities. People want us to tackle the Wonderland EP. People want us to look at uh, the crossing at RAK Studios. Many suggestions. Oh, that's an interesting one. I never thought about that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, there are, there are suggestions and there are there are still things we can talk about. There's no doubt about it. Um, Wonderland is the one that s- certainly is is the highest on my radar. Yeah, I think we pretty much said that that is going to happen. Right. You know, we, we want to get to 100 episodes. This is our 90th. We definitely have a 91st coming with the WKW stuff. And uh, I think I wanted to get this one out first in between the le- the most recent and the last WKW Pledger one because those WKW ones have already been recorded, and they were recorded before really we were thinking much about this coronavirus thing. So it's nice to get something out that's more timely, and it's got Bruce... Uh, talking about what he's doing right now and that kind of thing. And then we can get the WKW Pledger one, the final one out, and uh, and then get back on to our usual our usual schedule, whatever that might be. But we are planning to, to at least make it to 100. So uh, I can't promise that we will go any further than that. We might, we might not. But we are both at least committed to making it to episode 100. So who knows how long that will take us to get there. But uh, Years. <laughs> probably. Yeah, we're going to stop at 99 just to uh, have that one more to look forward to. Yeah. I like how I like how Bruce laughed when I said this is episode 90 and I could hear him laughing like, "Oh my lord, you losers." <laughs> <laughs> you know life gets. 
Oh my. But yeah, but thank you guys. I, I mean, you know, I'm glad I'm glad uh, you guys are interested and we appreciate it. And I know it seems like this is the perfect time to just be releasing podcast after podcast. But I got to say for myself, I've never been more busy in my life. I'm working at home uh, constantly for the first time in my life. And it's it's like I've never been more busy. But uh, a lot of that is because I I have a new job. I, I haven't changed my the place where I work, but I got a promotion and it's given me more responsibilities in the area of communications. So I've just been writing constantly about the coronavirus and official statements about our reactions to the coronavirus and how it's affecting different events that we had scheduled and all that. It's just been nuts. So, I mean, I've been working 11, 12-hour days at home just on this stuff. So it's like, geez, <laughs> yeah. it's got to slow down at some point, I'm hoping. Yeah, and me too. I mean, a lot of people seem to say uh, this is the time for Netflix and never had so much time before. And uh, I'm working from home. That, that hasn't changed. And in fact, I'm covering for more people at work. So there's, there's always more to do. Oh, yeah. This situation has not brought with it extra free time. Not for me. Right. If I ever get in that situation, and, and both of us get in that situation, we need to see if we can start churning them out like we used to. Yeah, yeah, if, if they do. And, you know, and at the same time, you know, I... I'm very thankful that I have a job right now. I know a lot of people yeah. out there listening. Maybe some, maybe some of you, a lot of you listening, you know, might have lost your job because of this. Uh, depending on what you do, so you know, I, I'm hoping that you can withstand this this storm as well, and and that things will will get back to normal for you guys as well. And you know, I'm lucky that I've in a position where I can still work from home and still get a paycheck. And I know a lot of people can't do that. So, so. Whatever complaint I might have about "quote unquote" working so much, it's a uh, it's it's a minor complaint, and in the grand scheme of things, I I realize how lucky I am. So, um, yeah, I hope you hope you guys are finding some some luck out there too, wherever whatever your situation is. Yes, definitely. All right, and with that, I guess that is episode 90. So we want to thank Bruce for joining us, um, adding his uh, his bit on what he's been up to and, and what Big Country was doing before all this really put an end to their current um, touring plans. And uh, that's our status. We're all hanging in there. So thanks, everyone. Really appreciate you listening. Hopefully this, uh, this provides some enjoyment during these uh, strange times. And... Um, We'll be back as soon as we can with the next one. And thanks to John for joining us, and, and it's fine as well. So we'll talk to you soon. Have stay at you, home. Tom. Have at you too, Tom. Stay home, stay safe, stay alive. Wash your hands. Wash your filthy hands. Wash your mouth, Tom. I will. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Hello? Are you still there?
I just rejoined. I was thrown out. I, th- I said I would win the war, and uh, just to prove me wrong, I was brutally thrown out. Okay. All right. Well, you, you just missed me talking about uh, nothing in particular, just just really the my own thought process of when yeah, the, I decided the, uh, to the, cancel. The, the thoughts of being quarantined for two weeks in a hotel room with me was enough to scare anybody off. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Especially now that you know he is prone to leaving his pants lying around. <laughs> Hells yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. John, what's that background noise? Background noise? <laughs> I hope you're kidding. Yeah. 